is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Do not adjust your iPhone or podcast machine. We are controlling the transmission. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical. This is Dr. Future, formerly of the Future Quake Radio Show, now in charge of Revelations Radio News. And it's good to have you back to the Future Quake Show. Excuse me, Revelations Radio News. <laughs> I, I currently have at bay Mr. Tim Kilkenny and Mr. Andrew Hoffman. Um, you're allowed to speak now, gentlemen. <laughs> this is... Tim Kilkenny podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am anxiously awaiting an update on Dr. Future's most recent work. Yes, and from Hood River, Oregon, recently returned from a somewhat successful camping trip in the Mount Hood National Forest, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Hey, hey did the day of the animals happen? Did you have to wrestle a grizzly bear like Nuzley Nielsen did? In no, there movie? was... Uh, there was a brave chipmunk marauding our campsite, but other than that, okay, it, no major incidents. Yeah, I, I recommend Day of the Animals. It was filmed by uh, director William Girdler. He's from Louisville. He he was uh, the guy that did Abby, that was sort of like the Exorcist ripoff, and uh, in Grizzly and a bunch of movies. And the ozone hole actually causes this uh, the animals to go crazy and start attacking people. And uh, Leslie Nielsen gets too high up on a mountain, and the the ozone hole makes him go crazy, and he runs in and starts attacking a grizzly. So it's based on a true story. <laughs> I thought it was a documentary from your description. Well, this- not. I mean, it, yes, it's it's much more genuine than the one we'll talk about tonight. Is it's much more credentials. Pre-airplane or post-airplane, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, this would have been pre-airplane. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, he plays it straight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which which I, would I, be an event in itself. Yeah, I think Christopher George is in it, which he was always in those kind of movies back then, too. So him and Linda Day George. I think you're, the uh, the minds of all of our listeners are probably uh, reeling, trying to uh, wrap their minds around this. Oh, but, well, they're going to be reeling a lot more forward then. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of which... Since you've taken over our show, what are you here to talk about? Why are you taking over the show? By the way, thank you for letting me come on the show. I know you don't <laughs> normally have guests, and I don't know if I really qualify as a guest. but Not, uh, not really. Thanks for letting me crash, and I just wanted to come see my homeboys here yeah, and, yeah. and hang, hang out in the hood. Your family, and we definitely yeah. are the hood. And, and, and we, are, we are excited because we know that you are here to announce the publication of your books, right? <laughs> I can order them right after the show. They'll be here in two days. Start reading them. You know, I, I just don't know what to say right now. I mean, I'm, I tried to prepare on what to say if you all brought this up. I was expecting it from Tim, actually. Why would you expect like, it from me? Et, et, et too, Andrew. <laughs> uh. it, it, it was always Andrew. I was just trying to speak for Why him. Why is it? Well, I'm sorry. I, you know. 
I, I, I uh, had that traumatic event. I guess I'm sorry, Tim. I need to apologize to you. I, I went to my happy place last time and uh, created a false reality from it. So uh, now, after that smart aleck comment, would you like a real update on that front before we talk about the subject matter for the night? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Now, I would like to remind you that the year is currently 2015, right. halfway through. If man is still alive, if woman can survive. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the year 2525, excuse me. <laughs> um, well, um, what is a, often erroneously referred to as my book or the book is a six-volume series plus a spinoff book, uh, The Hidden Hand Against the Godfears, uh, of which uh, one and a half volumes remain. Uh, I am in the n- middle of the next-to-last volume, which I hope to finish this year. Um, you know, I don't write those little Mickey Mouse books that are like, you know, 150 pages long or something. These yeah. are real books. Yeah. These are real books. Real you know? books. I know you can still sell those kind by just putting some spooky picture on the front. I'm going to reference <laughs> but, my bookshelf. I'll be right back. Hold on. But, but, uh, the, the, the one that finished last year, which I've already gotten in trouble over, Judaism and its Holy Wars, is 712 pages drafted manuscript. Um, and I feel obligated to make Christianity and its holy wars about the same length, uh, just to be fair. And there's more than ample information. I'm in the middle of the Crusades, and so uh, 148 pages, Andrew. <laughs> oh, oh, you were talking about my book? Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, yeah. Oh, oh man, I, I see your point, Tip. I had to put two, two together. <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, so anyway, uh, the last one is the big tell all about our current religious figures right now in the current war on terror after people have a more holistic understanding from the other volumes, uh, of what are the nature of holy wars? What does it do to you spiritually when you even entertain the thought, much less participate in them? What's the track record of the last few millennia? Uh, how well did they go for the holy warriors as far as accomplishing their objectives? And, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping it will be a checkmate for people and maybe change their worldview. That's that's my hope. Um, you know my adage, why well, say it in 10 words when 100 will do? And in this case, I think I'm looking at uh, probably about 3,000 pages of manuscript so far, something like that. So, uh, you know, it's something I don't expect people to read in one setting. Uh, but <laughs> I would hope in time that, that there's enough revelations that are in it from one page to the next, sort of like what we'll talk about tonight that um, it will keep them reading. And that's my hope. And if they find it boring, then throw it across the room and stop. Um, but this this is the issue, to me, of our generation, of our era. And it's worthy of our time to try to have a more complete understanding. So it's coming right along. Um, again, all the other ones are, have been drafted. I do have some other information to shoehorn into them that I've collected over the long period and process of time. As always, I appreciate everybody's patience. Um, things are never static in the future household here. Uh, we've had a whole bunch of wild stuff happen just in the last couple months. Uh, a big water leak of our dishwasher ruined our floor, so we're having to mm. move all of our libraries of books, bookcases, technical stuff, reports, um, all the books I use for my research and future quake. And, and other stuff, and it's just massive upheaval. Um, finally found out while I have this horrible radio voice, I was just diagnosed as having a part of the bony structure in my nose that's basically taken over my head. So I'm probably going to go under the knife for that very soon. And, uh, you know, just, just some other stuff that comes with getting old. 
that is a distraction from the main thing, which is getting these books out the door. And uh, so, but it is happening. And uh, more content to the manuscripts being added every single day. And uh, I will see, hopefully, Lord willing, see it to con- con- conclusion. So that's the hope. But, uh, but yeah, there, uh, and then there's some things like uh, what we'll talk about tonight, which actually preceded the, um, the starting of the books. But I've been twiddling my thumbs for five and a half years uh, for my cohort to for, sort of finish his end of things, and now it's finally done. So, um, so I'm spending a little bit of time talking about that right now too. So, so did I um, just? Oh, catch, let me let, did, let me did you, just, did you just criticize uh, your cohort for not getting things done quickly on the documentary film front? Is can, that... can you believe taking years to do a project? I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> How can somebody there's just, do that? There's no excuse for that. That's right. Well, we're not we're not talking about a three thousand page magnum opus, but we are talking about a two hour documentary. Um, and I'll have to say, it, it finally it's been worth the wait. Um, and uh, I think it's going to blow people's minds when they see it. So anyway. that's even, great. Even though, well. Um, We'll get into that in in just one second, but I do want to ask a question. Have you ever read a um, J.R.R. Tolkien short story uh, with the title of Leaf by Niggle? No, but I would like to know. Uh, I'm sure there's something of interest to me for you to bring it up. Yes. Yep. That's your your homework assignment. Oh, you're not going to talk about it here? it's It's a short story about... Uh, well, it'll, it, it will make sense. And it's, okay. it's, it's a truly short story. It's not like a short story, you know, 150 page short story. Okay. It's a, it's a short story. Okay. Leaf, L-E-A-F by Niggle, N-I-G-G-L-E. Yep. Okay. Well, I have a homework assignment, but by the way, I want to tell everybody, uh, normally I sound like I'm delirious, like a madman, but it's worse than most tonight because I'm going about two hours of sleep. And uh, I'd like everybody to say, uh, I think I'm okay saying this, um, say a prayer for our good friend Robert Hyde. Um, mm. I just found out late last night that uh, um, his, his son-in-law uh, went to be with the Lord, a relatively young man due to a car accident, uh, leave, leaving by, behind a family of three small children and uh, another one on the way, ready to be born. Oh. And... Uh, so that that sort of it was one little detour today. I ended up going up to Louisville for the memorial service. Yeah, a gentleman that knew the Lord and, and loved him dearly, uh, but he leaves behind a family that I'm sure our friend Robert would appreciate everybody's prayers uh, to bring her. You know, she has family with her that uh, I'm sure will help her, but you can imagine raising that many in a family. Uh, so. Anyway, so that was uh, something I just got home from a little bit, and I actually just finished uh, uh, an interview on a paranormal show that was very, very interesting. So very, very different environment to what we have here. So so I haven't had much sleep, an hour or two, so I'm uh, a little crazier than normal. Y'all will really have fun with me with that. So, Well, this is kind of stepping out of the norm for this show, but we could say a quick prayer just right now. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All Lay right. it on us, Tim. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, dear Lord, we just come before you, and uh, I don't know any names or anybody in this situation, Lord, and I just oh, I just pray that you would uh, come down uh, 
in, in, in the form of your Holy Spirit and, and bring comfort to this uh, wife who has lost her husband, Lord. Uh, I can't even imagine the amount of pain that that would uh, cause, Lord. I just pray that somehow, some way that you would uh, just help her to grow through this and to rely more on you. Uh, I pray that she would be a good influence to her children. I pray that those children would come to know you as soon as possible and that uh, you would be uh, the 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 father that they need as they uh, as they grow up in this mm-hmm. world with a father who's already passed on Lord uh, I just pray uh, your healing hand over the entire family and uh, over those around them so that they can uh, you know come to the aid of this family Lord and uh, I pray this mm-hmm. na- all in uh, Jesus name Amen 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 and I'll pass all that good word to Brother Robert too Okay. <clears throat> So, you made a documentary, or yeah. you kind of made a documentary. You are the writer, investigator. What role did I, you play in upcoming I, documentary? I was the Barney Fife of okay. it, or like the Robin to Batman. Um, <laughs> th- th- this documentary, which again was sort of a sidelight thing that ended up being much more than intended, mm-hmm. um, was was with Chris Pinto. Okay, uh, Chris Pinto. guy you all know about. He he makes some. Uh, um, I mean, production-wise, just top-rate documentaries, usually very, very long ones, uh, always on very controversial topics that would, you know, split a lot of us. There's been a lot that I've learned from his stuff, some things that I may see differently, but but at least they've added to the discourse, and uh, he's a real master in the editing booth and uh, in his writing. And uh, he just asked me, since we attend the same church, he asked me one day if I would like to assist him in doing a documentary on the Georgia Guidestones, uh, which was still something talked about a good bit, uh, you know, even at that time. It was in the news uh, on a number of things. It was coming right up to the 30th anniversary, which I don't think was the reason why he was doing it, but because of that, there was a lot of specials on CNN and and uh, some of the other History Channel things with that. Um, and so at the time, this was before the, uh, the, the, the book... Uh, ordeal began and i was right in the middle of doing future quake and i said well sure trip to elberton georgia uh why not check it out and uh we'll see what we do and uh certain things happened on that trip where we became privy to inside information that was nothing short of miraculous and it was all captured on camera and um most of it happened on the first trip to elberton um, and then the subsequent research and what my role became was more of the, uh, the gumshoe, uh, private investigator and researcher, uh, for it. And it started from something that was just merely going to be more of a holistic documentary of all the different issues and facets, actually interviewing the original people that were involved at Elberton in the construction of the Gadstones, getting their testimony on the record. Uh, and it turned out to be much, much more in terms of the revelations that came from it. And so um, I, I did some research out of that that really shocked us about finding out who the identity of the mysterious builder R.C. Christian was. And uh, then it got shelled because of some other projects he had to do, and uh, I was busy with my book writing, and last year we got the opportunity to follow up and another part of the country where the uh, where, where the trail led to R.C. Christian and to interview their cohorts and other people that knew them. And uh, another year later, 
the thing has been edited and, and done very, very professionally. And we have a two-hour documentary on our hands now called Dark Clouds Over Elberton, The True Story of the Georgia Gadstones. Say the title one more time. Dark Clouds Over Elberton, E-L-B-E-R-T-O-N, The True Story of the Georgia Gadstones. Okay, okay. And that's available now? It's available now. It's back from the duplicator in mass, and uh, it's... I would consider it at or better than broadcast quality, uh, what you'd see on TV. Um, you can see a trailer at YouTube. Just type in Dark Clouds Over Alberton, and you can see a three-and-a-half-minute trailer from it. If you go to Chris Pinto's website, Films, A-D-U-L-L-A-M Films.com, uh, you will actually see it. You can find in there a page. Um, if, you know, if you just put in a search engine, Dark Clouds Over Alberton, a lot of this will pop up, too. Absolutely. But, um, and, uh, I'll but, actually, but it's available for sale. I'll, I was, I was going to say, I can actually edit in a, an audio version of that three-minute clip right here. In 1979, a mysterious stranger appeared in the sleepy town of Elberton, Georgia, a city that claims the title, the granite capital of the world. The man referred to himself as R.C. Christian. He claimed to represent a small group of concerned Americans who desired to erect a monument for the benefit of mankind. Written upon the granite structure are what are sometimes called the Ten Commandments of the New Age. Some believe they hold a sinister meaning. I've seen published tracts saying that those ten gods are the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. The most disturbing is the first, to maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature with the world's population at well over 7 billion people. That would mean that many would have to die. What is he advocating doing? Killing everybody else in the world? And they interpret that as meaning favoring abortion and or genocide. It's the only way to, to get us down to 500 million people is, of course, the extinction of millions upon millions, billions of innocent people. Since 1980, when the monument was first revealed. Clouds of suspicion have lingered over the Georgia Guidestones and those who built it. Conspiracy theories abound, along with accusations of genocide, globalism, and a New World Order agenda. Does it create sort of a dark cloud over Elberton? The short answer is yes. A lot of people have used the word scared. Uh, to describe their feeling when they come out here. Somebody would say, well, they're going to have a sacrifice and they're going to have one of your cows up there. We heard that some witches have been out here. Yet despite the ominous overtones, the defenders of the Guidestones argue that R.C. Christian had no sinister intention when he designed the monument. There's been a lot of misinterpretations of the whole thing because of a few things in the wording of that monument. But who was this mysterious figure? And what was his true intention? A stone plaque written by the author tells us that the name R.C. Christian was just a pseudonym. For more than 30 years, researchers have speculated about the stranger's identity. Suspected candidates have included media mogul Ted Turner and Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard. But now, for the first time in history, the secret identity of R.C. Christian can finally be revealed. 
There you go. Whoops. That is a letter right there from Mr. R.C. Christian. You're kidding. And we have other letters that actually connect to the R.C. Christian that built the Georgia Guidestones. This is a double life if there ever was. I'm astonished. My, my uncle was a very intelligent man. Being told this is not a real surprise. Well, one of the revelations you'll see in that, and I'll just spill the beans here, is that the world will be shocked to find out that R.C. Christian was our own future quake announcer, Merv. <laughs> uh, no, nobody, nobody saw that one coming, but uh, Merv gets a lot more on air time than I do because well, he no was one, asked. No wonder I'm, you were always blaming him for so much stuff. <laughs> he was busy, yeah. He yeah. had metaphysical activities going on but he gets a lot more camera time than i do because uh he, he bears a striking resemblance to the real rc christian and uh there's there's ample this is a crispento tradition like you see in a lot of history channel stuff a lot of reenactments and things but um i wonder the old who, who woman, he uses for those reenactments hmm <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Usually you're involved in grisly activities. Uh, I, I know I was. I, I wore a dark hood one time and <laughs> slapped a girl before they buried her alive. But no, no big deal. You know, the, the guy at our church who's one of our elders that actually stabbed a baby. That was the one I wish I could have gotten. Well, but. Did, didn't you dig up someone's bones so that you could curse them? John Wycliffe. Yeah. 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 Wycliffe, the, for, for those the Bible that, writer. For those that don't know, that was... Uh, Shoot. Mail book and candle. Lamp in the dark. Right? Lamp in the dark. Thank you. The Lamp documentary, the which uh, stars the, our very own Doctor Future and Mike Taylor, yeah. uh, digging yeah, my, up the bones of John yeah. Wycliffe and cursing them. And uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the whole show. Well, and Tom Bionic and I uh, burn uh, Robert Hyde at the stake. That's good. You remember? Yeah. yeah, we actually. I think he was garroted before, though, so uh, he got off easy. But yeah, Robert Hyde plays John Wycliffe, and or excuse me, uh, William Tyndall uh, in that. But uh, anyway. but but really, the bulk of the two-hour documentary, uh, the whole host of it, is just hard data. And in fact, uh, what makes it sort of unique, I found, and how it came about, as opposed to a traditional do documentary, is that it's it's almost like a drama, in that you see the revelations happening to us real time as we're discovering it. Sort of like, uh, for lack of a better analogy, the Da Vinci Code. Where, yeah. where actually tre literal treasure chests are opened up on camera that the camera sees when we first see it the first time. Documents, little secret dossiers, people say things that are sort of shocking on camera right when we, you know, we get data put together and uh, people start putting two and two together. And so there's, there's strong dram dramatic elements to it. And I find, and in fact, uh, there's only been a couple of people that have seen it so far and they were excited enough about it because they just felt like it was an incredible drama, as well as the revelations and the hard data that was in it. So, wow. It's a hoot to see. It really is. I wouldn't sell it to people. I think people know I'm a straight shooter. So, um, But uh, this is just not one that's a long string of background and idle speculations. Wow. So, so will we see you interviewing people on camera? 
or yes. you? Uh, yes, or uh, or my voice. Yeah, you'll see me on camera some, and I'm sorry about that. I know you wanted to warn people about that, but <laughs> uh, you can turn away from the from the thing. It's I'm not on there long, but uh, yeah, I'm on camera uh, interviewing people. You can see me walking around the Gadstones interviewing. Sometimes you just hear my voice interviewing people. Um, yeah, so you sort of follow me around as I'm doing that. Uh, um, um, Mr. Pinto, he he stays off camera. You'll occasionally hear him chime in with a question or two, but uh, but mostly it's myself and the uh, the guests that we have. And there is a litany of very interesting people. The the people we have on there are so dramatic, uh, and none of them know the whole story. And it turns out uh, Mr. Pinto and I were the only ones that actually had all the pieces of the puzzle, and everybody had one piece. Mm. And so not until you see the whole documentary together do you find out what we all knew and why what everybody said was relevant. So, uh, and I could tell you more about it if you'd like. I can get into the nitty-gritty if you'd like to hear some about it. Well, so, I, see, I see on the site, here, here are the, uh, the ten things that you will learn from this documentary. And then why don't you take off on some of the ones you think are more interesting Okay. Uh, okay. So, so this documentary reveal, which is Dark Clouds over Elberton, uh, reveals never before seen information about the true identity of the man who called himself R.C. Christian. Features original interviews with the people who knew the mysterious Mister Christian. Original interviews with the men who were actually responsible for the building of the Georgia Guidestones. Number four, an original interview with Wyatt Martin, the only man who knew the true identity of the stranger and promised to take the secret to his grave. Which obviously he didn't. Congratulations, you. Thank you, you. I don't know if you had to torture torture it out of him. Was there waterboarding involved, or was this? There, yeah, yeah, there was waterboarding involved, and a little <laughs> bit of Operation Monarch, uh, okay. some some uh, mind and en- uh, enhancing drugs that were given, a little sodium pentothal. All true patriots waterboard. <laughs> it's, it's a known yeah. thing. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, no, it, you know what? In hindsight, uh, Chris and I sort of scratched our head over how we came privy to what we did, and we we just wonder if it's just a God thing. Uh, so was it, it was, was it directly thing. from him, or was it indirect and confirmed by him? In, in indirect, but indisputable. Yeah, I'll tell you what happened if you. I can All just right. yeah. tell you um, because this is where things started getting really weird and fascinating. We went to Elberton, which is where the Georgia Gadstones. If if people don't know, I can't imagine your audience of anybody not knowing, but it, it's it's considered the Stonehenge of America, uh, even though it's of of late construction, 1980, right at the uh, Vernal Equinox, it was dedicated and unveiled. And by the way, we have actual broadcast TV footage of its original unveiling, which is fascinating. Um, but the um, uh, the 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 structure itself. It basically was meant to give you a reminiscent feel of the the Stonehenge monuments. They're made out of granite. They're almost 20 feet tall, four big vertical beams with a top on it. Uh, And they have inscribed these 10 statements, which are supposed to be guidelines for future humanity to live and and survive. And the thing that always gets the biggest attention is the guidance to maintain Earth's population uh, at 500 million in harmony with nature. Uh, they talk about having world courts and world government. Uh, talking about having a single language, 
sort of like the Tower of Babel, I guess. Uh, but living in harmony with nature. Uh, these these are the kind of things, and they're listed on most of the major languages of the modern world and the ancient world. It was designed to be something that looked like it would be there for 20,000 years, like the Sphinx. And uh, like it, it has, had been there for twenty thousand years, or, or or will be, yeah, okay. or will be. Okay. Uh, so that humanity always can go back to this, you know, after the Bible has been destroyed and Christianity's dead, people can get some real guidance from this thing. Uh, and so, uh, uh, anyway, this thing has just been an enigma for people because these very succinct guidelines around there, and it talks about being dedicated to an age of reason. Uh, but the, the biggest mystery was nobody knew who was the guy who came into town, bankrolled it, uh, and never told a soul who he was except for the banker in town, Wyatt Martin, uh, who insisted on knowing it because he had to handle the money. And for certain banking integrity issues, he had to know his identity and, and sort of swore an oath not to reveal his name. Uh, and so... He he's now an extremely advanced age. I'm frankly right now I'm not even know if he is even living right now. He may be, but he was uh, a very advanced age five and a half years ago. We interviewed him. Uh, w- one of our inter- uh, people we interviewed has since um, uh, deceased uh, since then. But anyway, um, we went down to Elberton to basically interview all of these people who had some hand in building it there in town. Uh, knowing that we didn't know who R.C. Christian was and probably would not find out, uh, we at least wanted to find out what was the motivations, how did these people rationalize right there in the Bible Belt, putting up something like this. And so we had scheduled all of the main characters to interview, and we first interviewed Wyatt Martin, uh, who could give us the most details about what he knows about the characteristics of R.C. Christian, uh, he confirmed that he really didn't ask him in great detail why he believed what he believed, um, and, and, and a number of other things. But one of the things we brought up was that there was a recent article at the time in Wired magazine that had uh, mentioned a, a computer case, like a hard case, like you'd put a typewriter in, but it was to store a computer that he had had letters and information from R.C. Christian in. And at the time, uh, Wyatt Martin wouldn't confirm or deny he had it, but he definitely would not allow any reporters to see it, nor anybody else. And um, many people had thought it had been destroyed. The word had got out that they were destroyed. Well, when we asked him about it, um, he confirmed that it had not been destroyed, that he still had it, but he would not let us see it. But after an extended time of interview and developing rapport, he finally agreed to allow us at least to film the existence of it, that it was there, that he was really telling the truth. And so literally you'll walk with us on camera as the camera follows out to the shed, and he gets the key, and we go there, and uh, Mr. Pinto uh, instructs me to go dig back through all the muck and get back and drag this mythical typewriter case that had only been mentioned about, again, in uh, hushed tones, uh, and in fact confirmed that it did exist. And, of course, anything can be a case like that unless you know what's in it. And so we had, had asked him a number of times on site, and you can watch it in real time on camera, about uh, what was in there. And, and uh, he said he had thought about writing a book about it one time, but then decided not to and said he's leaning toward burning it then. And so we asked him if there was any way we could just film to see what was inside, and he agreed. He agreed to open it up. 
And so literally a treasure chest opens in front of our eyes uh, that people had only heard about, and they were on camera with his permission. We're filming inside. And he picks up one of the letters, and it's a letter from R.C. Christian. And he starts reading it, and I'm looking over his shoulder, and I, I can see, and he reads the date of it, and the, uh, uh, I think it was 1998 letter, and the gentleman mentions that he's 78 years old. So I can do pretty good addition and subtraction. And the man <laughs> talks about being, you know, uh, in the Dust Bowl and talking about the Corn Belt and different things like that. So all these little clues just start flying out. And uh, other things come about in the cameras. We're looking at it. Meanwhile, I'm sort of glancing down in the box as well, too. You know, after he had given us permission to look inside and film. And uh, <clears throat> he's, he's just grabbing a few things. And you can see it all happen in real time. It's all right on the camera. But... Um, he picks up a package that was to be sent to the Smithsonian, uh, where he had been directed to forward through third parties forward to the Smithsonian and other places information about the Gadstones to try to promote it and let them consider how serious it was. And we see a name on there, care of care of a man's name, and uh, we sort of and he mentions the man's name, and so we make a note of that. And then before he he closes it, it's only open for for a moment or two. But before he closes it and we're looking around and he's picking up some letters, I see an address in there on, a, on an envelope. Hmm. And it turns out later uh, the camera also saw the address as well, too. Upside down, but it saw the address. And it was an address in a medium-sized city in Iowa, of all places. And uh, so, anyway, I, I began a crash course trying to find out who who the, the mystery name and the mystery address were uh, with a few other tidbits that he'd given us about mm -hmm. the gentleman and prestigious vocation that he had and his knowledge of botany and his knowledge of, of uh, conservation items and things. And, um, and the fact that uh, uh, he'd gotten letters up until around the 911 and they quit and his son had since called him and told him he was deceased. Well, we interviewed the other key players, and they're all fascinating interviews because these people are uh, they are just striking figures. I mean, they're, they're very, very cordial people from the Bible Belt, but there's always this little air, almost like a little menace or something in some of them. Uh, one of the ones that really struck me, now, when, when you watch in front of the box, it almost has a Hitchcock feel to it, like a tension, like, open the box. And open the box because it takes forever to get to the point where he agrees to open the box. And the other uh, interesting tension point was we interviewed a gentleman that we found out about and uh, I had done a little research on who uh, his name's Wayne Mullinex. And he was the gentleman who was a rancher who also had backhoe equipment and did, you know, uh, digging for foundations and things. And they had made arrangements through another gentleman who owned. Uh, and apparently most of the granite industry, and was one of the wealthiest men in Georgia, who virtually no one had ever talked about by the name of Frank Coggins. And he had a role in this, too. And, uh, in fact, he was a very, very wealthy gentleman. We saw a picture in his home of him with Rosalind Carter, for example. Uh, but he was in extremely ill health. But anyway, um, they had contacted Mr. Mullinex about providing the land for the Gadstones. And uh, he still got the grazing rights and things like that. But he provided, and he also was hired to dig the foundations for the Gadstones. And so when we interview him, uh, just a 
good old Southern gentleman. Um, but when we started asking about the time capsule, there's a uh, there's a plate on the ground next to the guidestones, metal plate. Uh, and uh, in, in fact, uh, I believe Wyatt Martin referred to it as a burial uh, plot or, or a burial marker, I think was mm-hmm. the term he used. And I think it was also maybe used by Mr. Mullinex. And uh, we had pointed out, and you can see this on Wikipedia, that the dates are missing for the time to exhume the uh, time capsule, which says it's six feet below ground. But there's no date on it. And uh, I started a- asking uh, Mr. Mullinex about the time he dug all the foundations. And he seemed to confirm that, in fact, there was a time capsule there. And no, he would not tell us when it would be exhumed. And we asked him, who was there somebody who knew when to do it? And he said yes. And we asked if, if we could uh, know who it was, and he said no. And, you know, Chris picks up on interesting things. All these gentlemen are 33rd degree Freemasons, so they're, they're used to keeping mm. secrets. And you can see him fiddling with his little Masonic ring, you know, and Chris is getting that on there. But he's he just sort of grinning with us, but, but, but sort of clamming up a little bit at this point. And, uh, we said, well, you know, do you know when it's supposed to be open? He says, no, I, I personally don't know. And, but is there somebody else who knows? And he says, yes. And, uh, so we got what we could out of him as well as the other people there who just, one gentleman actually met RC Christian after it was built, uh, wasn't allowed to ask his name or anything else, but he gave a description of him. He said his accent sounded like it was from the upper Midwest, uh, and, uh, that he was really, really knowledge of botany, of conservation, and things like this. Now, you have to understand, none of these people at this time we interviewed them knew that we had seen inside the contents of this box. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Martin may or may not have known what we saw in the box, um, even though we had his permission to film inside of it, uh, what, what we had picked up. So none of these people know, neither do they appear to know the other information we know. But another lead that was significant that Mr. Mullinux gave us was to meet, meet this Frank Coggins, uh, who was the, the, the big money guy in that part of Georgia. He owned a bunch of resort communities that I seem to recollect in Georgia and, and was just deep in money. It was a fascinating, you can't really tell on the camera, but going to his home uh, with all these marble statues and columns and things right there in town and and he had a caretaker, a young caretaker, taking care of him because he was on oxygen and a wheelchair. It was it was almost a surreal environment. But uh, we talked to him, and mostly he would look over to Mr. Mullinex to sort of find out what he could say and not say. And so we, we got a little bit of con- confirming his involvement. But the thing that he allowed us to do was to go over to his office and from his secretary get the actual construction documents that were forwarded by R.C. Christian to the gentleman to build the Gadstones. So suddenly, and you can see this on camera, we go up and she presents these folders to us, and there's all these letters from R.C. Christian. The, the, the literal letters from him, uh, now he uses his pseudonym, but uh, I could recognize the handwriting and everything else from what we'd seen in the box. And uh, all, all of these details that were never known by the public are in these documents. And I'll mention a couple of them to you. I'd like your your 
listeners to actually go get the documentary and see it. Uh, I can tell you a few things. There was uh, one of the things that they had planned to do was to build an outer ring of what they called moonstones and extend the design in additional languages outside of it and have other people come and pay for these additional because if people don't know that there are holes and things drilled into the guidestones so it lines up with the north star uh so it lines up where you see through certain apertures to see the sun uh at, at the equinoxes and things like this uh so all that's part of the structure already and so they had additional things he had planned to, to build um he, there was one note of certain stones to be put there for the Atlanta Masons. Again, hmm. not not sure what that was to signify. And there was a mention about deleting a pyramid top that was planned because of cost. And at one time in their in her folders, I saw the pyramid top. It was a very shallow pyramid, but for some reason that didn't end up in the basket that we were able to photocopy or get to us uh, that we still possess. But it turns out in the video we saw of when it was actually unveiled, there was a television program, and it showed a picture of the model that R.C. Christian had built of the Gadstones. And sure enough, it has that shallow pyramid top. And so there's, and you can see that in the documentary if you sort of keep your eye on it, and you can see it. Um, so we find all these documents with all these little small revelations. There were polygraph tests that the gentleman took to confirm that they hadn't designed, built the guidestones themselves or invented R.C. Christian and, you know, just a myriad of things, articles written about it. But, but the, the thing that really blew me away was in the middle of all these construction documents, and, and by the way, it confirms that the United Nations was brought in to do all of the translation of the inscriptions. Well, they've, yeah, they've got nothing better to do. Right. So that, yeah. So uh, anyway, that that was part of what they what they assisted with that. But there was a document we found. It was typewritten, and it sure sounds like it's something that could be in the, if in my view, inside the uh, uh, time capsule. And I don't. Would you like me to share some of it on here? Abs- sure. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah, please. I just want to be mindful of your time. If. if if you get bored with this, just let me know. Um, this, and this is, you can see a picture of it in the documentary and, and a recitation of it. This, le- this unexplained letter in the construction folder says, To whoever comes upon this presenting, contained herein are keys that have been awaited to be placed here in proper sequencing and in proper order to announce the return and the activation of those events of prophecy that signal these events. Those who have guarded this great mystery and have guarded the evolution of the human species itself are returning. Yet it has begun. This monument known as the Georgia Gadstones shall find threads into the revelation of its mystery in the name R.C. Christian, otherwise known unto that contingency that is responsible for the erection of the, this monument as Christian Rosencrantz. Uh, this presentation of the keys upon the finding of it is to be delivered to the Elberton Star, which is their newspaper in town. The Elberton Star is to deliver it to the Atlanta Rosicrucian Society. The Rosicrucian contact number is one. That number is derived from the synchronistic mystery of 404-294-4172 in Atlanta. Now, I will say that I did actually call that number, just assuming it was a phone number. And uh, when I picked up the phone, they said Rosicrucian Society of Atlanta. And what do you know? It turned out that it was the Rosicrucian Society. 
And I don't know how old this document is, anywhere from five years to 35 years old. Well, and I always thought that the initials RC might stand for Rosicrucian in the RC Christian. So that, that is interesting. This doctor, this do, uh, document makes that alleging. It further goes, it says, it is only those with the understand of the rose and its return who will be capable of deciphering the codes and the keys that are contained herein. Under this great mystery shall it in due time be unveiled, likened unto she whose great portal reads only, Know thyself. Unto uh, the unveiling of her wisdom shall indeed come the bridegroom bearing the knowledge of the perfect blending of the red, the white, to bring forth the gold, and thus the purity of the rose. Yet shall bloom again. This monument has now been activated by that which is to come forth into its activation and technological understanding, and many shall come forth into this portal to awaken and be thusly activated. You are greatly loved, mankind. Once we saw through a glass darkly, but soon we shall see face to face. Do not fear. We are with you through the coming changes. So just your regular run-of-the-mill document, and uh, I asked the secretary via email, uh, to confirm that that was in that document that she had copied and where, where she knew it came from, and she confirmed on the email that it was in that folder, but could not confirm where it came from. So is that something that explains what's in the uh, time capsule? It sure could sound like that, but uh, we don't know. Um, what, what the Rosicrucians told me they would not say on camera uh, therefore, I can't verify it. And uh, uh, Chris Pinto went later to their office outside to interview them, and they wouldn't interview on camera for it. So, anyway, so that's what, one interesting tidbit. What did they tell you? Well, I mean, like I said I can't verify that. So they, if I said something, and then they uh, they could say I lied, and and there's no reason in that and lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. But I would encourage people to. Uh, contact them and find out what they know hmm. let me just put it that way um not not, not that, that there was much revealed to me but it would be curious to know but that's really not the whole story because that doesn't really direct who rc christian is and anybody who might be helping him so who is rc christian well um there were some other interesting tidbits that we gathered along the way uh concerning these people again we have actual construction documents Additional things written in his own hand. And, and to, to find a bridge to that, let me mention something that you all are probably aware of. Were you aware that supposedly R.C. Christian wrote a book? I was not. Okay. I've, Andrew? I've been aware of that for the last couple hours since listening to a very recent interview of yours on Conspiracy Normal. Okay. That's it. Okay. Um, so I was not aware of it before that. Yeah, pre-briefed. There, if you really dig deep into some people who've looked into this, a few people mentioned this book called "Common Sense Renewed." Uh, it was there was a copy in the Elberton Library by Robert Christian, and uh, it, it turns out that there was a few copies left for sale at the Elberton Granite Museum, and I got a hold of one. And uh, the original book was published in 1986. Uh, under the pseudonym of Robert Christian, and it was sent, according to the writing in here, to all of the congressmen, uh, other heads of state around the world, other big world figures. They all got a copy of this. And um, 
But, but it's fascinating. No one has ever brought this up. Do you remember me mentioning that the address that we found was from Iowa? Right. Well, there's, a, there's another nearby town in Iowa that is the address of the publication of this book. And no one ever seemed to uh, follow up on this, evidently, in the literature cycle. And so I tracked down the publisher and asked them about this book. And uh, they mentioned the name. They were just, very matter of fact, mentioned the name who wrote this book or who they, you know, had, they saw had it published. And it was the same name that we saw in the box mm. in wow. Albertson. Wow. Um, so what, what you're that, saying is that you did more research than just uh, one anonymous source tip and, and just going I, on that the whole way? And <laughs> Alex Jones. And I, and a ton of speculation, right? Alex, Alex Jones tried the <laughs> New York Times and Washington Post. A government source says, "Blah blah blah blah." Well, what was interesting about uh, I talked to this gentleman, and he had been in business with this other gentleman as the co-owners uh, co of the publication house, and so um, it it turns out the the publication house mentioned in here and the one. And the gentleman whose name is part of the title here is the person I talked to. Uh, and the gentleman whose name was in the box, I had to go back and find the links to his publishing house. And it turned out it had been bought out by this gentleman. And then they they cooperated this current one. So they were very well aware of each other. There was a third publisher that was part of their group. And we drove up to the town uh, right past Mason City, right outside Mason City where he lived, ironically. Uh, and the gentleman on camera confirmed on camera that uh, that this other gentleman whose name we had in in, in the box uh, was responsible for this book. However, however, let me say that we got a lot of data from different people. Now, none of these people knew what we had, what was in the box. So no nobody knew what all we were privy to, okay? Um, but we started finding data from Wyatt Martin and other people that uh, R.C. Christian had sent letters shortly after 911 that um, sometime after that he had died. Uh, before, uh, right before a few years before we interviewed the uh, Wyatt Martin in 2010, um, and in and other issues. And and by the way, this gentleman who I'm mentioning, whose name was in there, uh, who, who was actually being an intermediary to send these these documents about the Guidestones. Um, he was the head of the newspaper in this major Iowa city, uh, from what I was able to find. And he also, at one time, was the head, uh, a few years before the Gadstones, was the head of the Iowa Daily Newspaper Association. So this is a very influential man. But he uh, died in 1992. Hmm. So while that was after the date of the publication of the editions of this book, it was before the dates of the people who said that they knew who R.C. Christian was, uh, particularly Wyatt Martin. And that's where it gets into the address that we found. It turns out this gentleman who, who was responsible for getting this book published was the head of the newspaper in the same town, it's a medium-sized city in Iowa, that the address was associated with, the same town. And when I started doing some investigative research on the address, I found out that it was the address of a very prominent surgeon that was in town 
that was truly a Renaissance man. He was a prolific inventor. In fact, of the many, and, and the, they were things for sailboats. For uh, one of the things he, uh, that this gentleman had in the, the that lived at this address, uh, had invented a concrete forming device. And in one of the letters from R.C. Christian, he mentions about working in the concrete industry. So you get all these tidbits along the way. But the one, the, the the smoking gun was was that the man's name and the address that we had out of the box was dated on a patent for a, a rotary engine, like a Wankel rotary engine design, which is, a, which is a pretty amazing invention. And the date of the patent that had his address was filed was two months before he first met Wyatt Martin. So we can confirm the name and his residence of the address two, two months before. Uh, I also... Uh, got some political donation information I was able to secure that had the man's name and address as late as 2002. Oh, who so was this, he supporting? Well, uh, well, that's sort of an interesting topic. They were all extremely conservative candidates. George W. Bush? Um, no, that was... I can't, rem- I can't remember yeah. if Bush was part of it. He he actually the, the 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 guy who ran from Tennessee here, not Al Gore, but the uh, the former governor of the War of the Plaid Shirts, whose name just escaped me. Um, he he ran a few elections ago. His name just went out of my head. Former governor. Uh, he did donate to his cause, hmm. uh, but um, there's more to be said about this gentleman. This gentleman was an, again amazing guy. He I found at least ten patents on all various fields he'd found. He was a well known surgeon. Uh, in the whole industry, the AMA, um, but he was a visionary. And it turned out he was well-known for conservation, being a cutting-edge visionary on sustainability for the world for the future. Lamar Alexander. And if you remember, the Georgia Lamar Alexander was the presidential candidate. Yeah, that's all. But anyway, um, the, the, the whole emphasis of the Georgia Gadstones and the book that was written was about living in harmony with nature. Right. And that's why they say we, they had to reduce the population at least down to 500 million from 7 billion. And in fact, in the book, it says it may be too high a number. It may have to go much lower than that. And what those simple guidelines give are amplified in 120, 26 pages, 27 pages. Uh, he amplifies in his book where he talks about sterilizing people or stopping the breeding of people who are of lower intelligence, uh, uh, breaking out kids at a very, very young age. Yeah, at a very, very young age and separating them out based upon uh, their their aptitude at, say, second or third grade. And so you'd be pushing a manual labor at that age. The other one would get to go to college. Uh, and they, it, it, even in his writing here, it talks about that non-government approved procreation would be considered a social crime. And it talks about controlling immigrants and other nations, you know, third world kind of stuff that they're sort of bearing too much of the load of the resources of the world and they need to be cut back. Uh, they certainly shouldn't be allowed in the first world like America uh, and and drastically cut back. But this gentleman's written all this stuff on he, – he, he wrote something called a proposal for Iowa for like 2020 and beyond. And he talked about sustainability of reproducing wetlands and producing controlled communities 
that had controlled behavior. And so we have R.C. Christian saying these things. We have this gentleman saying things. Um, but it took us actually going to that town in Iowa to get some of these other questions answered, uh, where we actually met with gentlemen, the, the town historian in the town, uh, another old gentleman who knew the families of both men, and we even interviewed a high-level circuit court judge who was a nephew of one of the men to, to find out, uh, confirming for sure what we found. But getting on with what your uh, interest is here, Andrew, one of the documents I found well, on my own research, I'm sorry? Can I interrupt just real quick? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm ordering the documentary. Awesome. From Chris Pinto. And it says coupon code. Do you have a special coupon code for Revelations Radio News? Uh, I wish listeners? I, I wish I, I wish I could. If you, if you put on there that you heard about it on this show, um, I'm sure that would be a good thing. I'm going to put Doc. And Peter. he would know I was a, that sounds great. That sounds great. He probably puts that on the red list that Steve Quayle is on. Yeah, the, it says the the coupon NSA code pickup. you entered is is invalid. So <laughs> yeah. By the way, you because, guys, are, you guys are both two peas in a pod. I swear. Because I, I don't think yeah, Doctor Future ever eats out without a coupon. So it's the fact that you would ask <laughs> Doctor Future for a coupon is like blowing my mind right now. In honor of your comment to me last night, Mr. Kilkenny, I <laughs> I, I ate at Arby's tonight on my way back in town. And in fact, I did have a coupon. <clears throat> Hold on a second. Uh, since since you've uh, aired the dirty laundry, I have a uh, quote book that I keep. It's just uh, quotes that I uh-huh. hear, pe- hear people say that are around me. Some of them are out of context. For instance, uh, one of my coworkers said, Pat Sajak is a vampire. He's like 200 years old. Uh, but in here, <laughs> down there at the bottom, uh, or not in the bottom, right about the middle of my quote book, I have a famous quote. Are you ready, Mr. Hoffman? Yeah. Yes, and I'm listeners ready. at home, eating at Arby's without a coupon is like burning a pile of money. Doctor Future. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they probably get a the, coupons, you got to use them. <laughs> the, the wisest thing I probably ever said. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the, sorry. Well, it's, you know what? It's, I'm a, I'm gonna build my own guidestones, and I'm gonna have phrases <laughs> like that on my own guidestones. <laughs> You, yeah, you just go into Arby's without a coupon and watch everybody stop and stare at you. You you look like a big red thing on a stick. It's like, look at that sucker. He's paying full price for uh, for an Arby's sandwich. What's wrong with him? Look at that fool. <laughs> so you're ordering it right now as we speak, Andrew? Yes. Oh. And there is a space oh. for additional comments. Awesome. So I'm oh, going to put is. in Good. Doc Future says he's paying for this copy. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Oh, Future. Thank you. thank you so much. <laughs> hey, by, by the while we're on this, now that you all have distracted from the uh, big punchlines here, uh, what? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how big your audience is. If you want to tell me offline, that's okay, because I assume you got a big crew we, here. But we don't know. We don't, we don't know. You don't know. It's a podcast. I mean, you know, yeah. it's hard to tell how many people download, how many people actually listen. I don't know. Yeah. How many people I are see still a lo- listening an hour in? It's tough to <laughs> try. I see a lot of Revelations Radio News bumper stickers on the street. That's what I want. Do you? Do you? It seems highly. Yeah. Homemade bumper stickers? It seems highly yes. unlikely. 
Yeah. Well, it, it's it's almost like those uh, those masks that they have with uh, Guy Fox. That's mm-hmm. what I see people doing. You know, the wisdom of Revelation Radio News is painted on the subway walls and we, tenement halls. We we got a couple thousand. That's that's about yeah. Just a couple thousand. Yeah. Well, the elite. That's what I call the elite. <laughs> uh, here's here's something you might be interested in, uh, uh, particularly you, Mister Hoffman. Um, in okay. trying to find out a little bit more, this gentleman was born in 1920, and so most of his life went by without the uh, track record of the internet, and just a few little sprinkled things here and there you get to piece. As you know, it's really a, just a dandy kind of whodunit. But I found this article from the Sun Sentinel. I think it's the Orlando newspaper uh, back in 1992, and the editorial writer is responding on someone who responded to his recent article about not being so mean to immigrants. And uh, the one is an Iowa physician, and then he gives the name and town of this gentleman who was, again, in the box, his address, uh, and other data that we have. And he lists him by name, and he says, he reacted to my attack on those who attribute base sentiments to anyone who wants to solve America's problems first. He lulled me and dropped my guard. He said correctly, I suggested it's not wrong to be patriotic. Then wham, he threw in the incendiary names of Patrick Buchanan and David Duke, contending they are among the few public f- figures who speak for American interest in this new era of internationalism. Duke, he said as my skin crawled, voices many beliefs held by reasonable Americans. It is unfortunate that more acceptable public figures are not pushing similar views. Uh, he further talks about there should be strict limits on immigration. Now, this is the gentleman we identify as R.C. Christian. Um, he talks about our environment, our workforce and education system can't absorb more people, uh, and uh, further things there. But anyway, this association with Duke comes out in this letter. So um, when we go to the library in the, the city, um, we find some documents that the librarian has been able to get for me in advance. And, and by the way, their jaws have dropped because these two gentlemen are absolute city fathers that are considered, you know, main stoic figures in their community. Uh, and so they're the first people to sort of find out a little bit of what we've come across. Uh, and it wasn't until we met with them on camera did we reveal their additional information. But uh, it it turns out that the gentleman found some other information on this gentleman we say is R.C. Christian. And in one of his bios, he talks about to his people that know him personally in, in the surgery field and the community that overpopulation is his primary concern. And mm-hmm. extreme measures that has to be done in society and also preserving the environment. Uh, which is a, a big thing that's said on the Guidestones and in the book. Uh, preserving the environment is the main key, and controlling human population is the main defining issue of the 20th century and beyond. And in fact, even on his tombstone that we went out to go see, and you can see on camera, it has, you know, the one word he uses to define himself as conservationist. And so we see the same thing over and over again with him. But the other gentleman who has known these people for decades. And it's sort of part of their circles at the country club and where the sort of the elites of the, the city go. He had told me uh, before I unveiled this article, uh, before I showed it to them, that uh, the gentleman we identified as R.C. Christian had bragged about uh, his support for David Duke. 
for a long time. And again, I had not told him I had this article from this gentleman, but he had told me that uh, he told everybody at the country club, it sort of, they bristled, but he was very much supportive of uh, the eugenics concepts for sterilization, uh, negative eugenics, these kind of things, and, um, and was strong in support of him. And, uh, of course, he was shocked when I had other data from this gentleman on a national front where he had espoused these views. And, and as I read them passages from the book, Marcy Christian, they confirmed that this sounded identical to the gentleman that they had known uh, and, and had been raised with. And, um, but, but the other surprise that you all may find interesting, and don't know how far this can go forward, but like to take it further, was that another gentleman that they say this gentleman bragged about being close to was William Shockley. And I don't know if you know who William Shockley is. Uh, well, first of all, let me clarify for listeners who may, may be younger and don't know. David Duke was, he, he first get, got public attention nationally for, for marching around, I think it was at LSU, maybe another Louisiana uh, campus or somewhere in the South, where he actually had a full Nazi uniform on. And he would goose step and act as a Nazi, and there's pictures of him in it on in the documentary. Uh, and then he became a grand wizard in the Ku Klux Klan. And he strongly pushed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he strongly pushed in the superiority of the white, uh, white race and their IQ and uh, separation of the races. And he actually won a term in the Louisiana Congress and ran for governor. Uh, he was one of the two finalists that, that, that ran for governor. But anyway, William Shockley, uh, who, who this gentleman in town who, who, who knew the man we claim, R.C. Christian, claimed that, that he, he was an as close associate with, with William Shockley, who is a Nobel laureate and who was the inventor of the transistor. Hmm. And so what we know of as Silicon Valley basically was birthed by this man. Now, when I did some more research, he's he's called like by Time Magazine the one hundred one of the one hundred most important people of the twentieth century, um, but um, and you know he did this kind of work at Stanford. Uh, one of the things I found curious in his history, because there's a lot of interesting tidbits, was that uh, he was the one tasked by the government to determine how many people would be lost uh, of a direct American army invasion of the Japanese mainland. How many casualties should we expect? And he calculated, I forget how many millions that he anticipated. And in fact, I believe, if I remember right, I think the Pentagon was built to be a military hospital just to hold the casualties of the invasion of the mainland. I don't know if y'all, that rings a bell with you. But, uh, but anyway, because of that, his argument supported the dropping of the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki as an alternative. Uh, but, again, he's mainly known for his invention of the transistor and basically creating the the age of computing. Uh, but later could, in life... He uh, could have just accepted their surrender and not the neither one, but that's a different uh, story. Yeah, that's... You don't even sound like you're patriotic. Well, you're, speak, you're probably questionable. Speaking of not patriotic, you've thrown a slow pitch over home plate here. And one of the stories in our secret folder that we were going to talk about today, I just thought I'd point this out to you really quick. Yeah. Just give me just a second. And this is Richland. This is actually from Al Jazeera of all places, but it's called Richland Washington's Atomic Legacy. 
Richland, Washington's most controversial mascot honors the community's role in the producing of plutonium that was dropped on Nagasaki. Basically, their logo for their on the high school basketball floor and the one on the yeah. high school jerseys is an R for Richland with a mushroom cloud behind it. So wow. Clearly... Clearly, and the, uh, their mascot is the bombers. Yeah, their mascot is wow. the bombers. Um, that makes you it makes you proud, doesn't it? It does. It makes you real proud. Um, yeah, it's a shame they couldn't have like one of those radiation victims running and have that picture out on the yeah out on the well, floor. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what people both there and downstream the cancer rates are are considerably spiked well it's so there's since been there's cl- certain yeah it's there's some health effects from hanford yeah. which is now considered the most contaminated nuclear site in the country right we really used our best and brightest to unlock the secrets of the atom in a way still holding the world hostage to this incredible terror a 1959 local graduate with cloudy blue eyes and a long gray ponytail said that the bombers cloud is an inspiring reminder of a time when richland saved the world He's not willing to see this, this this symbol dismissed without a fight. If you're going to take away my R cloud from me, he said, rolling up his black sweatshirt to reveal a green R with a cloud tattooed on his right shoulder. You're going to have to rip it off my cold, dead arm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, you know, you know that you thinking is all in line with R.C. Christian, because you when you read his book, he's trying to be a statesman and trying to thinking he's saving the human race by, by sacrificing 80% or more of it, over 90% actually, he thinks he's saving the human race by doing that. And of course, he's the one that gets to decide, you know, who makes the cut, who doesn't. But anyway... Right. Well, uh, I mean, you, you file a couple of clever patents, and now you get to decide the future of the world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, this uh, William Shockley, he was known later in the 70s for being probably the most famous guy to push eugenics. He was his work was funded by the Pioneer Fund, which I'm sure you've heard of, is a modern day funder of showing the separate IQ levels of different races of people, uh, and he was strongly pushing the sterilization of the African American community and others with lower IQs, uh, and he's lost a, big, a lot of his prestige big, because uh, of Planned Parenthood supporter. Uh, you know, I didn't get into that, but you would that would. <laughs> tip to go line you know hand in hand but uh anyway this gentleman who we interviewed confronted us said do you think he could have been part of it and my my research uh you know he was having contact with this guy my research was this gentleman did marry a, an iowa woman so possibly through some connections that that could have happened but anyway th- these are just some tidbits i'm throwing out of some of the discoveries uh that we made which i think are not trivial uh, regarding the Georgia Gadstones. Oh, one last thing. We did interview a circuit court judge in his chambers, a very, very helpful gentleman who was a nephew of the newspaper editor, who, um, when we confronted him with the book, these people in town, were none of them were familiar with the Georgia Gadstones. I guess they must not watch cable uh, History Channel documentaries. But <laughs> anyway, uh, they were shocked when they found this out, but the uh, the the judge says, you know, this sort of sounds like the kind of thing my my uncle would have been involved in, and he confirmed that these two gentlemen knew each other, and that they actually were social contacts. He can remember at their because he lived with them for a long time when he was in school, and he can remember the the man we identified as R.C. Christian being at their house for social engagements, 
and that they, you know, came across as being close friends. So it makes sense that they would have collaborated together and that this gentleman with his publishing arm would have used this. He, he, he got this publishing place, it appears, just before the Gadstones were done and used this as a venue to publish the book. Um, but uh, uh, we also found out from the historians that both gentlemen were involved in building another structure in, in the inner city of their, their town, and both of them had a role in it. And, uh, in fact, we found a name uh, on the nameplates uh, from them there. But uh, the gentleman we identify as R.C. Christian, even they, they mentioned he built a model. He built a scale model to take to show them how it was going to be built, which is exactly what R.C. Christian did in 1979 when he came to Elberton. He had a little scale model uh, of that. So those are some nuggets to chew on from uh, Dark Clouds over Elberton. Well, should we... Back in the day, there was a, a two-part future quake. Um, should we make this a, a two-part RRN and maybe uh, the second part after at least one of us has actually viewed the movie so we could that would be some more more that would be questions. fine that would be fine with me in fact Is if it, we did that i was going to suggest you watch it first so um i you know i gave you just the facts ma'am you know i i don't expect a huge uh, commission on this just 10 20% but i've got an idea for a sequel okay all right uh, all right um, well. Are you aware of the Stonehenge replica in Mary Hill, Washington? You know, I'm trying to think if I've heard of that. I'm, I can't remember because I heard something that was strange like that built in that area, but I can't remember it being Stonehenge, though. No. Yeah. I'll, I'll just read a, a brief blurb. Okay. Uh, the this, this Stonehenge Memorial was built by entrepreneur Sam Hill as a tribute to the soldiers of Klickitat County, Washington, who lost their lives in World War One, This this person just basically ripped off what it says at the site. So take it with whatever yeah. grain of salt you want. Yeah. Um, Sam Hill's Stonehenge is a full-scale replica of England's famous Stonehenge in Wiltshire. I think it's like two-thirds um, actual size. Or Okay, yeah. It's, if it's not full size, it's pretty close. It's pretty big. Um and uh, Hill, a Quaker pacifist, was mistakenly informed that the original Stonehenge had been used as a human sacrifice site. Uh-huh. So, it's a human sacrifice site, let's build another one. Right. Um, Hill was, and let's see, so the spin they put on it is, um, he he did it to remind us that humanity is still being sacrificed to the god of war. And he was, at least nominally, a Quaker pacifist. So, okay. uh, you know, it's he's an interesting character. There's a um, museum there that of the house that he used that he built um, is now a museum. And there's a spot out behind it. It's not labeled with anything, but it looks like an altar. So it's an it's an interesting place, but. Huh. Anyway. Well, yeah. Throw, that would throwing that it out it. there, and I'd be. Ha- it's yeah. like a, a forty-minute drive from here. So, when you're okay. doing part two, I'll I'll come out there and uh, right. we'll find some some greasy hamburgers somewhere. So. Okay. Well, maybe we could dress some people at the site, sort of like that cover of your book, 
or they could have yeah. hoods and the stuff. Because well, there's that's, a scene... that's real footage, Doctor Future. It's hey, just oh, a okay. photograph, just put right I'm in. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed the edge of the Polaroid on it from the picture. The uh, there there is a scene similar to that in a recreation of the documentary because when when people are shocked to find out that Merv, the future wicked announcer, is R.C. Christian, um, they'll they'll see some of that because of the witchcraft activity that is described by some of the builders there uh, yeah. at the site. But I tell you what your your folks could really do is just go down there and dig up that time capsule. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. And uh, find out what's what's really going on there. But and anyway. Is the time uh, you know, capsule, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is it in Iowa or it's in Atlanta? Uh, it, it's it's uh, in Elberton, Georgia, at Elberton. the Godstone site. Yeah. That's right. right. The, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, nobody knew there, any Iowa connection until now. Okay, okay. And in fact, the people in Iowa didn't know anything about the Georgia Godstones. And that's what's made this a fascinating thing, is that, um, you know, and there's other tidbits that I have of data that all continue to reinforce the identities of these gentlemen, but uh, we, Chris Pinto and I were the only ones who knew the, all the pieces of the puzzle, and nobody knew we had all this information. Wow. Uh, or that we'd gotten other things. And, uh, you know, as far as I know, the people in Elberton didn't know anything about an Iowa connection as well until, you know, unless they see this documentary, uh, will, will they ever know? And I, I guess eventually it'll percolate. I mean, I, I would assume that this would be of interest to people to finally solve this mystery because in the documentary we give the men's names and the town uh, where it is. It's a town that's very famous because it was now, now here, you know, normally we wouldn't have a future quake without a mention of the Nephilim. And <laughs> there's an interesting story of this city. It was known on the map to be part of a famous hoax. And I believe it was the 1920s, I believe where, oh, yeah. uh, somewhere I may have been upstate New York or somewhere in that neck of the woods in the Northeast. There was, um, a man who was an atheist or agnostic that had some religious neighbors, maybe one was a minister, and they were talking about the Nephilim and about the existence of the Genesis 6 giants. And this atheist guy thought he'd play a joke on them. So he actually had, and this city is known for its gypsum. It's also a place that's engraving and, and stone-related. And he had a giant constructed out of gypsum where he would it would suggest it was petrified and he had it secretly chipped out to look like a humanoid and shipped to this uh town where these farmers were minister and had it buried (laughs) and had it arranged for somebody to dig it up like they were digging a well and they discovered it and suddenly they thought they had found a mummified uh, petrified nephilim and so it went all over through the country as this Nephilim discovered. It was like seven, eight feet tall. And uh, P.T. Barnum found out, and he wanted to buy it. And they refused to sell it to him, so he went out and had his own made. And so okay. there was two of them that were touring and going around. <laughs> but this town has this connection to these secrets about these uh, stone things that have religious connotations. And I, I find that sort of a fascinating connection. Sure. I I also find it kind of fascinating that uh, Chris Pinto goes on the hunt and runs into Rosicrucians. It's never happened before. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. He's got a nose for it or something. Yeah. Uh, Rosicrucians are an interesting lot. So when you spoke earlier about the, uh, let's see, for lack of a better term, kind of the 
the doomsday protocol for once the uh, some of the events had taken place. Yeah. What exactly do you think there's, I mean, I guess you've got to got some inside information on what they said to you. But what I mean, what is that? Is that yeah, just yeah? A, they a, they didn't they didn't elaborate on that. Really, it was just about their awareness of RC Christian. So sure. Uh, so they, when they say so, like when these events start to happen, you got to pick up, dig it up. You got to call this phone number, and then you t- contact the head of the Rosicrucian Society. What yeah. what failsafe is being activated at that point? And what just to obviously you can't speak uh, probably from you know knowing what it would be. Right. But do you have any? Uh, Right. I'm not RC. I'm not RC Christian, so I can't answer. In fact, I can't even verify this came from RC Christian. It was just a mystery document that was in the midst of the construction documents and all these letters of RC Christian. And uh, um, the woman who uh, who works for Coggins, who has been the gatekeeper of this for 35 years, uh, she couldn't confirm it either. So that is an extreme mystery. Other than the number they give for the Rosicrucian uh, uh, Society Atlanta is the actual working number. And, you know, the clues that are in this, if it's anything that's other than a hoax, um, it talks about uh, keys being activated when this thing is opened. Now that you've seen this, you know, it's addressed to whoever comes upon this presenting. Um, It says those who have guarded this great mystery and have guarded the evolution of the human species itself are returning. It has begun. So it sort of sounds like a panspermia kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, with Space Brothers coming back mm-hmm. or maybe Spirit Brothers or whatever. Um, and that somehow the Rosicrucians have had this secret and have kept it quiet. Um, that would be, if, if this was legitimate, uh, to me, what it would imply. Uh, one of the things, I, if I can speculate, and this is just a, a what if kind of thing. This show uh, is just rampant speculation. It's uh, the whole show. Yeah, uh, you know, because we've we've tried to be very very careful in the documentary to just show facts. No, I don't. I don't mean. I don't itself. mean this episode. I mean, yeah, Revelations yeah. Radio News as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just to offer a little, uh, I said speculation. Um, I wonder since the date is not printed on the what they called the burial cover uh, is not printed for its opening. I wonder if, in fact the alignment of the light that goes through the different hmm. parts of the gadstones possibly could at the right time get a light, a certain place that would reveal something that would suggest that it's time to open it, reveal something on that plate or on the ground or something Straight like that. Straight out of Indiana Jones. Yeah, I know. I, and maybe that's too cliched, No, I mean, that's... but it just makes me wonder because people have pointed out for all of the amazing alignments of the gadstones, and the ability to find the North Star and to find out the long shorts of the day of the year. Others have said, look, you can find this by other ways. You don't need this in case society breaks down to recover it. And in fact, R.C. Christian never wrote about using this just to repair a destroyed world. He was trying to prevent it from being destroyed. He wanted to inspire people on the solution to avoid destruction. Right, uh, because the the mainstream media when they do cover it, presents it as like, oh, this is post-apocalypse, you know, this is instructions on what to do if there was ever a major apocalypse, not like we've got to get down to 500 million people. Right. And it's the, right. the conspiracy right. folks that always say, 
Well, let's see. If there's seven billion people now, and they say keep it under five hundred million, people have to die. Right, right. And and really, we just can't say one way or the other. He may see world war is causing that. Um, he certainly looks to put in a policy, judging from his book, to start winnowing out people who he doesn't feel are productive from reproducing, to at least uh, eliminate that chain by that means. So if you want to consider that relatively more benign, I guess one could, and then one could just argue he has the right to yeah, make just, decisions. Yeah, just like Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, and you would know this, but I think as late as the 20s and maybe 30s, churches had eugenics drives where people were were invited to bring relatives that they thought should be sterilized. Oh, they've been doing forced sterilizations in California. They were still laws on the books um and they were caught doing it recently and they they weren't forced but they you know would tell women they could get out of jail early if they signed this form to have this procedure and wouldn't fully explain it and yeah would sterilize them so yeah yeah when why should you have to do that when you've got you've got vaccines and other kind of drugs that could do it without people knowing you know the those vaccines and things we give in Africa, they seem like they do a much better job at sterilizing people. Yeah, those those crazy Africans. I don't know why they run for the hills when they see the Gates Foundation show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy right. superstitions. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Since you all are guinea pigs. Savages. Has, it, has this piqued your interest in this subject with what's been I've, presented? I've already purchased it. So I've, Wow. Yeah. Wow. And... Uh, you know, I, all I have to say is you better be getting a pretty good cut because it's not cheap. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to see a penny of it, to be honest with you. But uh, having an opportunity to be part of I think this is real history. And, and solving yeah. a real mystery of history is, uh, is sort of a neat thing in and of itself. And uh, if it inspires other people to dig out and we can confirm somebody like a Shockley or other people are part of it, then, you know, this might be sort of a shared humanity kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, that we can do. And I think I think that people's interest is peaked even outside our circles to a degree in that, um, you know, these Guidestones have been vandalized pretty frequently over the last several years, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, they were right before we got there. Somebody had paid, put an epoxy on them. And the guy who was the caretaker said, like, this is just a whole new level of difficulty to try to remove <laughs> because so, it just adhered to it, you know. Awesome. Uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the uh, Mr. Coggins that I mentioned, um, he's since deceased. Mm-hmm. So his testimony we have on camera is the only thing we have of his record. Wyatt Martin, I have not checked to see if he's still amongst us now or not. Uh, he's a pretty tough character but he also was pretty frail when we saw him and so uh one of the gentlemen who oversaw the construction project joe finley he was already deceased and we we interviewed his son which is a very interesting man himself when you when you check him out in fact you even in the trailer you'll see a quick word or two from him but um you know this should be i think the definitive documentary on the georgia gadstones uh goes all the way back to showing footage when it was unveiled you can see like the tarps being pulled off and a congressman who was there for the unveiling and uh John uh, all, 
No, I, don't, I didn't see. He could have been there. I didn't see John McCain, but it could be. Okay. Uh, but the uh, uh, all of the people who were the key figures sort of put all their cards on the table. And, uh, and then we start having the real revelations uh, later. And uh, the folk in Iowa, to me, were, were a real treat because um, – we we just had some heavy stuff to lay on them with it. So, anyway, we'll see we'll see what happens with it. But uh, um, you know, my main focus is the book series and getting it done because I, I hate being beat about the head and shoulders when I come on the show here. I'm sort of asking for it, but uh, hopefully I'm replacing it with you know true research and true content that will help our cause. Because as you know, I'm a fellow traveler and a kindred spirit with uh, what you all present on your show. So. Well, thank you, Dr. Future, and I hope that we can talk again soon. And by the way, thanks for buying that documentary. If it can only be like 10,000 more of your listeners do it, then maybe we could get in the black. But uh, <laughs> uh, again, I, 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 I'm not really in a position where I don't think I'm going to see much of anything other than a chance to talk to millions of people about if they'll talk to me. I, you know, We still haven't heard from Coast to Coast or Alex Jones. Sent messages to both of them. Which is weird because I, when I made my Alex Jokes, Jones comment earlier, I had yeah. I had made I, I understand Andrew's trying to joke about the mainstream media, but I I, he, I I feel like he showed quite a bit of interest, even just a cursory interest in the Georgia Guidestones. So it just yeah. seems, seems odd. Oh yeah, he's he's talked about his documentaries too, but uh, you know, and he's he's been on Future Quake. You know, I had I had phone numbers and stuff. But 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 anyway, uh, have not been able to contact uh, or get feedback from them or coast to coast. And I've been a guest on coast to coast before, and you know had some sort of more exclusive contact information mm-hmm. and nothing. And so it's just sort of curious. That is that is curious. That's a for a for a topic they both have talked about to great extent with nothing but speculation up to this point. Wow. That is that is curious. Well, so, I, I can put you in contact with James Corbett. I'm a kingmaker in that way. Well, or I was you, gonna I was could. gonna ask you that. I was <laughs> gonna ask you that because I would like to talk to him. And uh, if if I mentioned uh, my association with you all, would that hurt your reputation? Just pretend you're talking <laughs> to him right now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I would love to talk with him since I'm a big fan of his work. And it would be a good excuse for us to beat each other. And I, uh, I'll probably act like a little schoolgirl when I'm on there and <laughs> get all flushed. That's exactly <laughs> what he aims for. That's exactly what yeah. he wants. Yeah, yeah. you got to, uh, you know, he's big time. Yeah, you got to kiss his ring yeah. before he can do a podcast <laughs> with him. Yeah, but, but he's just like a school teacher, and he's not that important. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. English school teachers, what good, what, what good are they for? Yeah, can anything good come out of school teaching or Nazareth? <laughs> okay, so uh, the uh, link to the Adullam Films website, which will feature the film, uh, will be in the show notes as well as a link to the YouTube video preview that we heard earlier in the show. Um, I think that is about it. Andrew and I will do another show sometime next week. Hopefully we will cover news stories as we can kind of we're on a little bit of a summer break there. Andrew was camping. I missed last week. So um, we are back to business. Uh, Dr. Future, as usual, awesome to have you here. And always great to hear from you. Uh, let's let's 
stay in touch after Andrew and I get a chance to watch the movie. Uh, maybe we can uh, do this again sometime soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for the opportunity, brothers. Thank you. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say we're in-